I'm Pat Hyben, and over the past 25 years, I've sold over 7,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in volume. In 2010, I sold my team business to my top agent and went on book tour promoting my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. That book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. Now I live off the passive income streams from the real estate I bought with commissions I earned as a full-time agent. And I am committed to giving back to the real estate industry as so many mentors of mine have given back to me. On this show, we'll interview the world's best agents, brokers, coaches, and investors to help you make more commissions and create the life you deserve. What's a toolbox? A toolbox is a box full of tools that you use to build something great. Do you want to build your real estate business into something great, something massively profitable and productive? Well, we've got a toolbox for you. Basically, we've collected all the tools that the rock stars of the past have given to us over the years. And uh, many times these tools come in the form of a checklist. They come in a form of a postcard that they're sending out that's very different and extremely effective. Uh, they come in many different forms, and, and many of you have gone online to the show notes and downloaded these toolboxes. The challenge is you have to go back through each episode to each show notes on the website and download them one by one. Well, I've put them all together. And I've created the Real Estate Rockstar Toolbox. And I'm giving this toolbox away free. Tons of items of utility from many of our past Rockstar guests. All you got to do is go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. Or make it easy, simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Use the tools that the rock stars are using to make more and more commissions every day. All right, Rockstar Nation, we have a good, great, super guest today, an old friend from my star power days with Howard Britton, who inspired me actually to start this podcast close to 500 episodes ago. I had met Alexis Bolin probably 15 years ago, and she was killing it back then, and she's still killing it today. So she is the queen of scripts and dialogues, of how to close buyers, how to close sellers, how to make more commissions and get what you deserve. So I'm excited today to welcome to the show for the first time, Alexis Bolin. Alexis, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Thank you, Pat. I'm excited to be here with you. Alexis, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you better? Well, Patrick, I've been in real estate 39 years, which is longer than you've been on the earth. And I've been all that 39 years with two companies. I'm originally from New Jersey, but I'm selling real estate in Pensacola, Florida, and that's where I've been selling the whole 39 years. 
I'm married. I have three children, two grandchildren. And with the help of my daughter, Lisa, who's my licensed assistant, and Donna, who's been with me 18 years, my non-licensed assistant, we manage to close 80 to 100 units a year. Wow. Um, is that good enough? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So now, are these assistants, these are licensed, but do they, do they actively go out and sell houses? Or are they kind of like on the, uh, on the home base while you're the one on the street? Lisa is a licensed realtor, and she's worked with me for 25 years. I would say for the past 10, she's worked as my buyer's assistant. Donna is not licensed. She does all of our admin and follow-up and so forth. So Lisa takes out most of the buyers, although yesterday I was out with buyers. So it just depends on how many buyers we have in town at the same time. Do you have any idea like how many houses you've sold in close to 40 years in this biz? Over 5,100. Wow, that's great. Okay, so let's talk about some nitty-gritty here, as everyone that comes on the show does. So what was your ECI last year, Alexis, your ego commission income? Alexis has no clue what she made last year. She doesn't. I don't keep up with those numbers. No, I don't keep up with those numbers, Pat. That's up to my husband and Donna keeps all that number, you know, and they turn it into Michael, my husband, who then turns it into the CPA. But it's typically been between five and 700,000 a year. And then uh, do you know what you pay out in, in expenses? No. Well, if you only have Michael would have to know. <laughs> well, if you only have two assistants, it can't be much then, you know, probably less no, than, it's less not. than 200. It's not. So yeah. For sure. We're operating fairly profitable in this area. And let me say that the average price in MLS is a little over 154000 in this area. Wow. What's your and average sale price? Our, around 200 And the cost of living in Pensacola, Florida is the lowest cost of living in the state of Florida. So, you know, housing here, what, what you pay 500000 for in your neck of the woods up there, Patrick, is my 150 175 maybe 200 house here okay okay and all right so where is most of your business coming from well my most of my business nowadays is coming from repeat and referral just like most people who've been in business a long time uh you know we get new business because somebody gives somebody our name it's really rare that somebody contacts me that hasn't been put in touch with me in some way they don't just you know we get internet leads and we follow those leads and we do a little bit of business from that but that's not where the majority comes from okay okay so you're probably do you spend any money on internet at all do you know like on we do not buy leads no we do not spend any money buying any leads we spend all of our money locally advertising locally and keeping in touch with those people who've kept us in business. Wow. Okay, great. And then therein lies uh, the the reason for such a high profit margin as well. You know, you're not out there buying leads. You're just getting the business from 40 years in the business. Let's get down to some of your genius as we were talking about before the show. You know, you're known and you've given us uh, talks and seminars probably hundreds, maybe thousands of time on scripts and dialogues. 
And and well, first, I want to find out why you learned early on why scripts and dialogues and memorizing scripts and dialogues are important to this business. Well, Patrick, I worked as a waitress for 18 years before I went in the real estate business. And you learn a lot about people. And people um, do things the same way most of the time. And so in, in the waitress business, you know, they all have the similar questions. And so you have to learn what the answers are. Same thing in real estate. I found out that there seems to be a buyer's school somewhere and a seller's school, and they all say or ask the same thing. Every seller says, I don't want to give it away, and I'm in no hurry. And, you know, they learn that somewhere. And every buyer says, you know, similar things. So once you figure out that there's just certain major things that the sellers are going to object to or say to you, and the same with the buyers, and you learn some answers for those, then pretty much you've got everything covered. Mm. Right, right. Because at the end of the day, like you said, with the you know with the dialogue as the waitress, you know, the, the, what's the special? What's the you know how is this cooked? And what's your favorite? It's the same thing over and over again. Well, the number one question everybody asks the wait staff is. What's good, and if you were here eating today, what would you order? Right, yeah. I mean, that's what everybody wants to know from the waiter or waitress staff, because, or, you know, what do most people order here? What are you famous for? What are you known for? Mm. So, okay, so you learned that as a waitress, 18 years as a waitress, and you just immediately applied it to real estate. What do you think today some of the most important scripts and dialogues for real estate agents are? Well, I think today we're still doing the same thing we've been doing for 39 years. We're defending our value to the buyers and sellers. Mm. We're defending our commission to the sellers. Uh, and definitely, you know, definitely to the buyers having to defend our value, probably more so than the sellers, because the buyers are more empowered today than they ever have been in my whole time in real estate. So what are they some... Have Every bit of information known to man. Right. So what are you doing about that? Well, you know, you have to make them understand, for example, let's, let's, can I beat up on Zillow for a moment? Yeah, yeah, man. Do what um, you want, yeah. So, so every seller has already been on Zillow and they've gotten their estimate, which may be higher than what the comps in their neighborhood show. Correct. And so you have to, you know, overcome that with the seller. You're not going anywhere because they're going to overprice their house. So I've basically learned to say to the seller, you know, Zillow is just a big protractor. We all had that, if you're my age, when we were in school. Mm -hmm. So you stick the sharp point down on the paper and the other leg of the protractor has a pencil on it and you draw a circle. And that's what Zillow does. And so Zillow pulls in everything around you, including your neighborhood, but God forbid you're a $300,000 neighborhood backed up to a million-dollar neighborhood. They're going to pull sales from there because, you see, Zillow never comes to see the property in person. Zillow has no idea about your area. That's why real estate is local because you see if Zillow was the answer the banks would not need appraisers the lenders 
would just rely on Zillow and there would be no appraisers necessary to come lay some eyeballs on your property and look at things like condition and all your upgrades or lack of. And so while Zillow tries to do their best to give us some sort of an idea, Zillow's not always correct. In fact, 99% of the time they're incorrect because they never see your property and they don't know the local area. Like I know whether or not this house is in a flood zone. Uh, Zillow doesn't know that. And that may affect value if your house is flooded. And so the same thing with the buyers. The buyer comes with what Zillow says, and it may be low because they may be looking in the higher-priced neighborhood with two or three lower-priced neighborhoods around them. Mm. So you use the same and script so with buyers, or you change it up? Well, I change it up. I start off with the same thing, and I explain the circle, and I say Zillow never comes here, and they've never seen the houses that you and I have looked at. And so definitely we can go a mile down the road, and there's a cheaper neighborhood, but you've already chosen not to do that. So you have a decision to make as a buyer. Do you want to buy the house? If so, we need to make a reasonable offer because if you don't, you won't be buying the house. The seller will get insulted and won't want to deal with you at all. And since we are in a market with low inventory, that's no way to start out. So let's just look at the comps in this neighborhood and not what Zillow has to say if you really want to buy the house. Now, if you just want to make an offer, I'll be honest with you, Patrick. I don't need any practice making offers. <laughs> I've already had all those, all that practice, and I don't need any practice making offers anymore. What I want to do is help you buy the house you want to buy. Mm. And I love the analogy of the protractor. And if you're listening, guys, I don't even know if they have these anymore. They probably do. But if they don't, just Google image protractor because I know that um, chances are you're your sellers, there's a good chance your sellers or buyers will, will, will know what it is, or you can ask them, or you can figure out uh, something similar to a protractor, but I like that. It basically is drawing the radius of an area versus picking out specific streets or specific comps, you know? So I, I, I love that. Okay, so let's, uh, you, you know, you're, you're great at the commission objections. Let's delve into some uh, meat and potatoes on some listings, right? So let's pretend I am a, a seller and I have interviewed two agents and you're my third agent. And are you ready to just role play this for a little bit? Sure. Go have at it. You're the seller. Okay. So uh, Alexis, thanks. We're going to take all this information and we'll call you in a week. Okay. What's going to cause you to take that long to make a decision, Patrick? Well, we just need to chat about it, let all the dust settle. Okay, so obviously there's something that's bothering you uh, about the information or the lack of information that you received that's causing you not to make a decision today. Is that correct? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't pinpoint anything. I, you know, I guess I just need to talk to my wife in private. Okay, and I can respect that. Do you mind if I ask a question? Sure. What are you looking for in an agent to represent you? We're looking for someone who's aggressive, uh, someone who's going to bring buyers themselves and not just rely on the MLS, you know, and other agents. And we're looking for someone with good communication because our last agent never, never called us back. We never heard from him. And I can appreciate that. Most sellers are looking for the same thing. So in 
talking with the other agents that you spoke to and talking to me, do you think I can deliver those to you? Hmm. Yes. Okay. So then I'm curious, why is it it's difficult to make the decision to go with me? I must not have answered some questions. There must be something lingering out there that I haven't satisfied in the back of your mind to cause you to trust me enough to allow me to represent you. So I'd like to get that answered or get that taken care of right now, if you don't mind. So what is it? Well, you know, we we got three different prices and, uh, you know, so one of the guys from yesterday said we can get two ninety nine nine, and you're over here at two sixty nine nine. You know, I, you know, I just don't. You know, such a variance. You know, it's like ten percent variance in there. So we just need to talk and find out. You know, is do we really think it's worth two ninety nine or is two sixty nine nine the right? Uh, we just don't know. All right, so it's price that you're having to consider and not whether or not I would be the best agent to represent you. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So now I think, if I may be so bold as to say, Patrick, that you kind of decided I would be the agent. And the only thing we have to do now is settle on what would be the best price to get the house sold. Is that right? Yes. Okay, wonderful. So I'm glad you selected me, Patrick. So now we need to set about analyzing the sales so that we can come up with what the market says the value is. So I have no idea what the other agent showed you or what they came up with or how they arrived at that price. So if you would like to get those out, we can look at those and determine whether or not they're even from your neighborhood or how old the sales are or how your house compares because every home has a price range. We have a low, a medium, and a high price range in every neighborhood, and in that price range is where your home fits in. So we're either going to be average and normal in the middle like all the other homes in the neighborhood, or we're going to be above the average in the neighborhood, or we may be a little below the average in the neighborhood. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay, so let me get that. Here it is. Okay, so here's the here's the folder. You can you're welcome to look through it and see if you can find the the comps or some evidence here of how they came up with two ninety nine. All right. So since you're leaning more towards your thought of two ninety nine, what causes you to lean in that direction? What three comps here do you say that would help us defend your price to the buyer? the buyer's agent, the appraiser, the loan underwriter, because we have to defend that to all of those people. Wow. And I need three good comps to help defend your price. You see, Patrick, most sellers don't realize that when they hire an agent, they need a strong agent who's good at negotiation, who's good at helping the seller look at the comps and pick what truly is comparable to their house because you and I, Patrick, are not the only ones that are going to get a shot at determining the price of your house. You know, the buyer's going to have to buy into it. The buyer's agent's going to have to buy into it before they even recommend them coming to look at the, the house. And then we get the appraiser, and even if we get the appraiser to buy in, there's somebody called that underwriter in an ivory tower somewhere and probably 
Des Moines, Iowa or somewhere, who, <laughs> like Zillow, has never been here, who has the power and the right to wave a magic wand after they look at their own comps online and change the appraiser's price. So my job, like a football team defending their goalpost, my job is to profusely defend your price. <laughs> and in doing so, I need some statistics, something logical to show to defend the price. Emotional, I can't show. But logical, I can show. Okay, well, this, you know, here's here's one, Alexis. It's it's basically the same price. You know, my neighbor up the street, two ninety nine nine. He's for sale, and he, you know, uh, he only has a you know a really small deck, and our deck is bigger. Well, how much do you think a bigger deck adds to the value of the property? A couple thousand dollars. Okay, and if you were a buyer, would you pay that if the rest of the house was equal? Would you pay a couple thousand dollars more if the deck was a little bigger? Yeah, probably. Okay. So then maybe your buyer would do the same thing. But you see, he's for sale and he hasn't sold yet. True. So we don't base our price on what's for sale. Hmm. We price base our price on what actually sold, where the seller actually got some money and the buyer got a house. Hmm. Because sometimes sellers put emotional value on their houses, Patrick. And the appraisers never see emotional value and neither do buyers until it becomes their home and they get ready to sell. And <laughs> then they get emotional about it. You know, they've raised their children there. This has been a fabulous home. They've had all kinds of parties and family reunions and everything fabulous going on at the house, the baby christening and everything. And they're very emotionally attached to that home. However, there is no place on an appraisal for emotional value. So we have to step aside and look at the house without emotional value. And we have to look at real dollars and cents value because that's what your appraiser and your buyer are going to look at. So we've only got one good opportunity to get it right because you're either going to price your house to sell, Patrick, or you're going to price it to sit, and God's going to grant you whichever you pick. Mm. I love that. Uh, price it to sell or price it to pick. and or Price it to, no, sit, to sit. sit and or God's going to grant you whatever you pick. Well, isn't that true? Yeah. That's great. You pick that the wrong price and you sit with it. Now, you know, Patrick, we can sell, I promise you, because I can show you the stats, the ugliest house in town in the very worst neighborhood if the price is right. Mm-hmm. But I can show you a lot of stats on some beautiful homes in fabulous neighborhoods that didn't sell the first go-around because they were overly optimistic on the price that was too high. And so you've got to decide, if you want to sell the house, are you going to price it to sell? Or are you going to price it to keep? Because that's just how things happen. Buyers are looking for the best value and the best house possible. I'm sure that's what you were looking for when you found this house. Yes, absolutely. And so typically they're not willing to overpay for something when they can find something similar, even in another neighborhood, maybe not even be your neighborhood. So rather than play the game like all sellers play, I can price it real high and then I can come down later. Mm. It's much better if you price it to sell 
Because here's what's going to happen, Patrick. The other sellers are playing the game and you're not. So you have your house price to sell. The buyers are going to recognize it. Are they going to make us a low offer anyway? Maybe. But I promise you, with the opportunity to buy something at a higher price that doesn't look any better than yours, they're not going to do that. So they're going to come up and be reasonable about your price. And the other thing that's going to happen is you're going to get to be king of the hill. Mm. You're not going to be jerked around by the buyers on inspection issues or anything because you're the best buy out there. And they know that. They know that. They're not going to posture much with you. The other thing that's going to happen is if we price right for the market the way the market is, we're up to get more than one offer. And then you'll definitely get the buyer who really wants to buy the house without any hassle. They're going to love this house, and they're going to work with us on it. And a win-win situation on a buyer is exactly what we need. There's nothing worse than having to fight the buyer and the buyer's agent all the way to closing. That's mm -hmm. a terrible transaction. And I don't want you to have to go through that, neither do I. So how do you feel about pricing it so it sells? That makes sense. So now, based on what we see, where do you think you fall? Are you at the lower spectrum on the price range compared to the other houses? Do you feel you're towards the higher or the middle? Let's look at the amenities and let's make a decision on where we need to be to get the sold. Because if the pricing at two ninety nine means we have to sit here for five or six months and still sell it for two sixty, then you've lost a lot of money. Mm. Whereas pricing it at two sixty nine and selling it between two sixty and two sixty nine would cause it to sell quicker. You're going to save money just on mortgage payments, taxes, and insurance, and not to mention what you have to do to keep the house ready to show all the time. Mm. And there's a lot to be said for not having to live in a glass bubble any longer than you need to. <laughs> That is true, Alexis. That is true, and I can see what you mean. So, okay, so two sixty nine nine, fine. Well, I think you made a great decision, and we'll see pretty quickly how the market reacts to it, Patrick. So let me let me go back a little bit and and uh, play by play this, Alexis. So, what was brilliant about this was number one, uh, first of all, the stamina. Your your stamina is incredible because I don't think most agents would you know, spend 15 minutes uh, trying to get somebody to get in price. You know, you know what I mean? Like they, they would, you know, after a couple objections from the seller or one, they, they would roll out and be like, okay, well, you know, keep in touch or they try once and then bail. And, and you just kept going and going and going and going. So I was very impressed with that. You know, you just don't give up. But I wanted to talk about, uh, uh, you know, your isolation technique where you tried to isolate really what was it that uh, they objected to and then got them to agree to using me or got them to agree, got me to agree to using you that there was no other problem other than price. So, so why do you do that? Well, first of all, because that is one of the things that sellers learn at seller school. That's a smoke screen. <laughs> That's not a real objection. Yeah. That's just something they've been taught to say. That's true. Uh, you know, I'm blonde. I'm very blonde. And so I go to get something done to the car and the mechanic says, oh, well, you need, you know, your filter changed. You need new hoses. You need whatever. 
and I may need them, but I may not trust him enough to believe him. Mm. So the blonde in me says, well, just fix what I'm here for today and give me a list of what you think needs to be done, and I'm going to go back and talk to my husband about it. And that's the typical female answer. Mm -hmm. Am I smart enough to get out of the car and take a look and see things? Yes. But I don't want to do that because I don't trust this guy. I came for one thing. Now he's trying to sell me something else. Mm -hmm. So we have typical smokescreen answers. And by the way, that was my answer even for the years I wasn't married. So that's just what you I, what that's just what you say, right? You always have an that's answer. That's what people for, say. Yeah, that's what people say. So a that's seller always says, say. "I'll think about it," and and you have to realize that's just what people say, and that's normal. And you have to have something to say to that or 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 with that, right? Now well, let I want to well, talk. Go Patrick, ahead. if I may, I want to know what they what they need to think about, not in a mean way, but I, obviously there's something there in the back of the head that I didn't answer mm. and, and I need to know what it is. And I never have anybody rude to me or anything. We just have a normal conversation. It's kind of like you and I did. And I ask my questions and they answer and we chat and that's how it goes. Podcasts nation boy. Listen, the emails, Facebook comments, everything is blowing up with regards to episode 500, Dale Archdeacon and Sam Monreal, the premier experts on real estate leads in the world, I would say, were on and it was a phenomenal show. They have a class on Rebus University. They have three classes that are being offered at 195 bucks each, the certified outbound lead specialist. Certified Inbound Lead Specialist, and the Certified ISA Manager course, all with a ton of videos, a ton of tests, and a ton of special downloads to help you build your outbound leads, your inbound leads, and your ISA teams. And so we are offering them for 100 people only, 100 people only, we're giving a bundle and in that bundle, you're going to get all three and you get them all three for 495 bucks or you can buy them separately for 195 bucks each. You know, take the shortcut, avoid all the mistakes, you know, the right way to do it from the beginning, right out of the gate, turnkey and easy, improve your lead conversion, improve your ROI, more commission dollars. I mean, just get the roadmap from proven experts. Your return on investment of 495 bucks is tenfold just from one sale, maybe 20 fold just from one sale. I mean, the cost of this course has a massive return on investment, a massive one. Look at the five star reviews on rebusuniversity.com of all of our other courses. And you'll see that uh, we don't make crap. We make courses that are phenomenal. And these are some of the best. We have a hundred percent money back guarantee. And again, it's proven experts who walk the talk. They don't just teach it. They're in the trenches every day. Now, when I did the interview with them on episode 500, they offered their emails to the world. And I'm like, dude, you do not want this. This could be a mistake. I said, let's just make this bundle. We'll make it a hundred people for the bundle. We'll close it after a hundred. And anybody that gets the bundle, 
will give them out your emails. So that's what we're going to do. Not only do you get the bundle, but you're going to get their private emails so you can email them questions you have as you go along or just email them and say hello. And that will be only for the first 100 people that jump on this. One way to get it, and that's just the text bundle. Text bundle, B-U-N-D-L-E to 444-999. Just text bundle to 444-999. Get the ISA manager course, the outbound lead, and the inbound lead course. All in one. This one is one of the best. Trust me. That's bundle. <laughs> that's bundle to 444-999. Text the word bundle now. Now, I created a course, the Certified Listing Agent course. I had eight agents do their listing presentation, and they each had very different ways of the final close. And, and I'm curious as to what your script and dialogue is to this. Where, Like you've gone through the process. You've gone over the comps. They've just been nodding their head, right, giving you what their seller's supposed to do, which is giving you affirmative uh, responses to everything until – you know, a certain percentage of them give you a negative response, which is I'm not going to think about it or whatever. But in order to get that negative response, what is your script? Let's say you've, you've done the whole thing. You've shown the price. You've shown how much money they'll make. How do you transition into, you know, sign these papers? So I would say, so after everything we've discussed and talked about, Patrick, are you left with any questions that we need to get answered? Nope. Is there anything I failed to ask you that I should have asked you to better understand your situation? No, I think you covered it, Alexis. Okay. So, Patrick, would you say you're at the stage where you're ready to let's go ahead and fill out the paperwork and put the house on the market? Yeah, we're probably not at that stage yet. Okay. So what would cause you not to be there, Patrick? Well, you know, we want to, you know, you know, get the house ready for sale, get it, get it fixed up before people start looking at it. Oh, I would agree with that 100%. So is that the only thing that is bothering you about moving ahead? Yep. Okay. So what if we did two things today? We went ahead and filled out the paperwork and determined a date in which you're going to be ready with those things for it to go in MLS, number one. Number two, we get a piece of paper, we walk around the house, and we make a list of those things that need to be done in order to help you sell the house quicker and bring the highest price. Would that work for you? Okay. Okay. So, so, yeah. So you're essentially saying, hey, let's get the paperwork done now so that uh, you know when you, hit the when, when you do come on the market, you hit the ground running, and I can prepare and get everyone excited on my end get the photos done, blah, 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 and then you can work on your end and we can work simultaneously to the start line. Right. What I would say to you is let's get the paperwork out of the way. I'm going to go ahead and measure all the rooms and take down all the pertinent details that I need, not taking any photographs until we have the home prepared. Mm, okay. Okay, once you have the home prepared, then we're going to send the photographer out and get the pictures. Right, right. In the meantime, I'll have enough data to already have the basics in MLS, and then all I'm going to need photographs 
that's all I'm going to need to be able to push the button and boom, you're on the market. Right. So rather than waste time waiting while you do a few things, let's get things going. Here's the other thing that's to your advantage. I know your house is going to be on the market. As agents call me and I talk with other agents about their listings that I'm looking for for buyers, then I'm going to be able to say, oh, you know, if you have a buyer in this price range, I have one coming. And, you know, if you need to look right now, it may be possible for me to call the seller and they're not quite ready yet, but get the sneak preview. Hmm. And we may be able to go ahead and sell it before we get full blown on the market. Would that work for you? Sure. They pay our price. Absolutely. So that's another reason why we move forward and get all the paperwork out of the way up front. And then you can concentrate on the things that need to be done. And by the way, Patrick, I find sometimes sellers think things need to be done that don't need to be done. And then there's other things that really do need to be done that they don't really think they have to do. So that's the reason why I'd like to walk around with you and let's look together. And you tell me what you're planning to do. And then let's discuss what's the best thing to do economically. Would okay. that work for you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so bottom line is you're, you're like, are you at the stage where you're ready to sign the paperwork. It's kind of like you're framing it mm-hmm. to like, are you at the stage? That's an easy question, right? Are you at the stage where you're ready to sign the paperwork? Right. I mean, that's, that's easy for everybody. I am, even though, you know, I'm real strong with objections, negotiation, and so forth, and most, most of our stars would say that I'm a high D and a barracuda. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm always asking questions. I'm not a telltale based agent. I'm always asking questions. I'm letting you come to your own conclusions by asking the right questions. Did you notice that? (laughs) I'm leading you back to answering your own stuff. Right. Once you do that, the buyer or the seller is buying in Mm. because it's their decision. It's not mine. I could go and say differently, okay, Patrick, I've gone through everything and we've agreed on the price, et cetera, so let's just go ahead now and do the paperwork. That doesn't come across the same as saying, have I answered everything for you? Is there anything I should have asked that I didn't ask? So are you ready to let's get this paperwork done? Are you at that stage right now? I'm just always asking because that lets them be fully in charge. They're in charge of everything. Hmm. And so how do you uh, shift gears a little bit? How do you ask questions to get, uh, whether you're working for the buyer or you're working for the seller, um, uh, in, in the negotiations, right? Let's say you're working for the seller as you, you do, you know, you're doing a ton of listings. Uh, you're, you're negotiating, you know, your seller's uh, priced at 250. I'm an agent. I brought you an offer at 220. What kind of questions are you going to ask me? Well, first, I'm going to thank you okay? because I know how hard you've worked to get your buyer at this point. So I'm appreciative that you gave us an opportunity to possibly sell this house to your buyer. Mm, you're so welcome. I'm going to thank you for doing that. And then I'm going to say, in order to help get my seller to sign this offer, Patrick, because my job is to get your offer signed. 
as it is, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, sometimes sellers don't buy off on that. But that's my job is to try to present your offer so that they like it and want to sign it. But if for some reason there's things they can't live with in there, give me the three top things that would be an absolute total deal killer to your buyer. Well, the date and, you know, the play set in the backyard, believe it or not, and the deal killer would, you know, those two probably most would be the date and the the place I'd hate to say it. You know, obviously they want, you know, they want that they want the two they want the 220 price, Alexis. I mean, they wouldn't have written the offer if they didn't want that. I understand that. I understand that. But if for some reason the seller can't live with it, I'm trying to find out what's most important so that I can explain to the seller, look, don't mess with the date. That's drop dead for this buyer. And don't mm. mess with the place that I know you're emotional on it, but if you want to sell the house, get unemotional mm. because now the buyer's attached to it. And so the other thing is if two twenty is the right price for the house, and I certainly think that you feel that way or, and the buyer feels that way because that's how they wrote the offer, then please give me three comps you use to come to this price so I can defend your price, your ask your offer price to the seller. So again, you're kind of asking, you're always asking questions, you're kind of, you know, asking, right? So, so you're putting them in charge, you know, I think, cause right. Cause if you came at them and say, this is preposterous, this is a terrible offer, you know, they're going to get defensive, but here you're like, Oh, okay. You know, let me try to work this out for you. Please give me the comps yeah. that you used. Yeah. I'm their advocate. I'm not adversarial. I'm their advocate. I want to help you get your buyer in this house. They want to buy the house. This is what they pick. So let's just say, well, we didn't my, go. We didn't my use. My seller comps. wants to sell. We didn't. Okay, we didn't so, use comps, Alexis. Okay, so your buyer hasn't looked at any comps. Correct. Okay, so if the seller can't live with the price because the comps that we have found show it to be higher then it's very possible the seller is going to make a counteroffer on that price, in which case I will give you the comps that the seller looked at to provide the buyer so you can help the buyer see what the comps really are. Is that fair enough? Yes. Great. I'm taking it to the seller. Let's see what we can do with it. Hmm. So you're always very hopeful and that sort of thing. Even in the back of your mind, you're thinking, hey, there's no way they're going to take this and this is a ridiculous offer. Correct. I'm looking at the offer saying, what were they smoking when they wrote this one? But I am not saying that. Here's our problem, Patrick. More deals are lost because of the two agents involved than are ever lost because the buyer and seller couldn't come to terms. Amen. So what you get is you get two agents who forget what their purpose is. Mm. And they start representing each other by butting heads. They're playing king of the hill. Mm-hmm. And and I have no desire to play king of the hill. Now, I know you run and you race, right? Yes. Okay. My mother taught me years ago, never, ever let anybody cause you to run their race. Mm. Okay? Don't let anybody suck you in. Don't let anybody cause you to run their race. So when you are posturing with me... You're, you are trying to agitate and irritate me. 
You may not realize it, but that's what you're doing. And I'm not going to let that happen. I can chew you up and spit you out in two seconds because there's a pit bull living inside this old 72-year-old body. <laughs> that's, that's not what I was hired to do. My seller wants to sell a house. They don't care about my personality with you or your personality with me. Yeah. Unless we make it, unless we make it part of the deal, which it isn't. Mm. Our code of ethics says we're supposed to act like ladies and gentlemen. Mm. We're not supposed to do things like that. Mm. So I don't do that. So if you get real ugly with me, then I'm like, whoa, 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 halt, Patrick. I'm trying to help. I, I don't want to argue. I just want to do the best I can to get your offer presented to get you the best answer back I can get from the seller. Don't want to argue with you. Don't want to posture with you. But if that's your desire, then you and I are just going to have to communicate by email because I don't work that way. That's wow. not my model. What a great solution, too. I do not too. work that way. I mean, you, you know, I yeah, think in I, life, if you just thought of all potential, I can think of one that just happened yesterday where I, if I had just simply asked a question to try to resolve an issue, um, it would have gone a lot better. But it was two people that were like, I want to do this. No, I want to do this. I want to do this. And, and I could have easily asked, well, is there a solution that you can think of where we would both be happy? And just, just using your philosophy of always asking questions just really does empower people, doesn't it? Oh, there's no question about that. I mean, my customers love me because they feel like they're always in charge. They get to make the decisions. I, I don't push them to do anything. I can take a perfectly good offer to one of my sellers, and I get a little pushback. And I say, okay, we're going to do what you want because it's your house. But remember when we talked, no offer means no opportunity. So let's not get mad at these people because they made an offer. We have been asking for opportunities, and they've now provided us one. So we don't get mad at them. Let's look at what we can agree with on this offer. I only want to concentrate on things we can agree with right now. Let's look at that first. Then let's look at the items that we don't agree with. And then let's discuss how important those items are that we don't agree with before we go back strongly and disagree with everything. Mm, wow. Because no opportunity is no offer to sell the house. So if you've changed your mind about selling, then I say we just put an X on this thing and put rejected and take the house off the market. Mm. But if the desire is to sell, we have to find all the ways we can to come together with this buyer. And well, I think you'll find that when we look at all the things we can agree to, we're only going to boil down to one or two items. It's usually, can we get more on the price? And maybe the closing date doesn't work, so let's see what we can work out here. Or it's grandma's chandelier, and under no circumstances am I going to leave it. So we just give them an allowance, or we tell them to go to Lowe's and pick out a chandelier up to $500, and we buy them a chandelier or give them the money. I mean, let's not lose the sale over something like that. That's silly. So well, wouldn't you agree that we need to look at what we can agree with first? Yeah. I love that because, again, you're isolating, right? You're isolating through questions, you know? All right. Not 99% of every offer is a is is something we can agree with. 
I mean, stop and think about it. Yeah, it's usually, it usually mm-hmm. boils down to the price. And that's why agents would say, oh, I'm not going to even bother, you know, with, with having them uh, find out about whether the date works or the, what's included or not included because it's not going to work anyways because it's not the right price. That's right. So then I'm going to come back to you and say, you know, Patrick, I went over your offer with the seller and I got really good news for you. I got them to agree to 98% of what the buyer's asking for. So we've only got a couple of small things that we need to get an agreement on. Mm. And since, since you're a great agent, I know that you can explain this to the buyer. <laughs> and then I go into, you know, the buyer wants to close on this particular date. However, you know, my seller needs to be in until school's out. And that's very important to them. Right. And right. so that's, that's something I'm not going to be able to get them to give up. But I've got two solutions. We wait and close when school is out, or we close and rent back. And they can do either one, your choice. Yeah. So I always also want to go to the buyer's agent, or if I'm the buyer's agent, to the seller's agent, with solutions. I learned many years ago from my mother and my grandmother not to bring a, par- a problem unless I've thought, uh, thought through it a little bit and come up with things that I think could be solutions to the problem. And by the way, Patrick, can I share something with you? Sure. Hopefully we have time. Do you know the difference between an issue and a problem? An issue and a problem? No, I don't. Okay. Most of our clients feel like they have problems, and most of us in the world feel like we have a problem. We we stub our toe, we have a problem. Our toe is bleeding, and it's, you know, twice the size. So I went to my grandmother one time with this, what I thought was a problem. You know, no child support, no alimony. He's not paying, and I don't have enough money to take him to court. Mm. And so she just told me to dry up, and she told me that I didn't have a problem. She told me what I had was merely an issue. And she said, here's the difference. An issue is a situation that arises where if you can lay your hands on a little money, a little money will solve it. Mm-hmm. A problem is a situation that arises where all the money in the world won't solve it. Oh, wow. Hmm. And so she said to me, I never want you to forget that Jackie Onassis is no longer with us mm-hmm. because she had a problem that all the money in the world wouldn't fix and she had all the money in the world. Hmm. Wow. So never think you have a problem. What you have is an issue. So now you figure out ways that you can solve the issue. Sometimes it's not money. So just figure out how you can solve your issue. It's not a problem. It's only an issue. I love that. I love that. You should write a book, Advice from Grandma. You know, it goes, it will go. I probably should have <laughs> thought about it. So maybe you can help me. You, you've written right. books before. I haven't. But, but, but that's so true. We, we blow up. And we let our kids blow up, our spouses blow up, our families, our clients, mm. about things that are not problems. They're issues, yeah. We have an issue. Yeah, we have an issue. We have a buyer who doesn't want to pay us two fifty. <laughs> that's not a problem. That's that's an issue. That's an issue. Yeah. You know, and can you know, and can we work this out somehow? Mm. The other thing I say to sellers on a listing appointment 
says they don't think like this. And I say, I say it, another question. Patrick, are you aware that 30% of the homes in our MLS do not sell the first time they're listed? No, I had no idea. I thought everybody pretty much sells. No, sir. No, sir. Now, every MLS is different, Patrick, but our MLS statistics statistics show that 30% don't sell. So you've got to decide, do you want to be in the 70% that sell or do you want to be in the 30% that don't? <laughs> yeah, and then again, you're, so, you're, and, you're putting it back on them, right? The decision's theirs. Yeah. They're in control, right? That's correct. I'm using stats from the MLS. You can go to your MLS and look at it. How many expires did you have last year? How many homes rolled over and, and got relisted? I mean, look at those things and be able to to explain that to the seller because they don't know. They think you hire an agent, put the sign in the yard, put an ad in the paper, and pray a little bit, and the house sells. Mm-hmm. And And they have no clue. They've never given it any thought that it might not. And so my next question would be to you, Patrick, if we pick the wrong price and the house doesn't sell, what is your backup game plan? Because I know that you have this new job starting, you said, and you had to be there August 1st. So what's, what's plan B if the house doesn't sell? Are you going to rent it? Are you going to turn down the job and stay here? Are you going to split the family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it because you're putting them, you know, you're again, it's a question, right? What's plan B? You're giving them control of the answer, but it's not an answer that they want to answer. It's not a question that they want to answer, but they need to. They don't have an answer. Right. They don't there have is an no plan B when they put their house on the market for if it doesn't sell. Right. There is no plan B. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I, I say to them, you know, the reason I ask is because if you are a football fan, and you probably do know more about it than I would, Patrick, about football, you know, I'm football light, um, <laughs> I notice that if one play doesn't work, they don't have to go back to the coach to figure out what the next play is going to be. I notice that they immediately try something different. Mm-hmm. And so that's plan B. So they've already figured out if we try it this way and it doesn't work, then we're going to try it this way. And they're, they've got a backup game plan for if it doesn't work. Most sellers have a backup game plan. And if you do, I'm going to applaud you because most sellers have no backup game plan. Yeah, that's true. And I love it. I love it. Well, listen, Alexis, this has been amazing. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and giving us these play-by-play objection handling techniques and scripts and i'm going to put all of alexis's information on hybendigital.com backslash alexis like the new amazon alexis right alexis you order me a pizza alexis bolin b-o-l-i-n hybendigital.com backslash alexis bolin if you want to reach out there and say thank you her information will be on there obviously if you want to send a referral to her that will be there for you to do so so alexis listen best of luck to you and i hope that uh, we can get together sometime in the near future and break some bread That'll be great, Patrick. I want you to teach me how to write that book. You got it. 
Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. All five-star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We are so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate agent's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. With an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name. I'm everywhere and easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday, but in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.